Well, good evening, and a happy Good Friday to everyone. We're so happy that you're here tonight, and you've chosen to worship the Lord with us here at Calvary Chapel. If you came tonight, uh, if you're Jewish, and you came tonight expecting an Orthodox Jewish Passover Seder, you came to the wrong place. I hate to disappoint you. I'm a Gentile. I was lost in my sins, quite frankly, going nowhere and getting there fast. And I discovered through the Hebrew scriptures, and I owe a debt to the Hebrew people, but through the Hebrew scriptures, I found a righteousness apart from the law. A righteousness that's a gift that God gives to those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. And I took that deal, and I believed in Jesus, and I fell in love with Jesus. And he's now my Lord, he's my Savior, and I love him so. And you know, he reveals himself to me in all kinds of ways and in all kinds of places. But probably nowhere do I see him more clearly than in the Passover and in the Passover Seder. And so that's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to go through a Jewish Passover Seder But we're going to do it with an eye out for Jesus. He is everywhere, and he is especially here in the Passover. So if you have your Bibles with you, let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. I'm sorry, chapter 26. Getting ahead of myself. Matthew chapter 26, and we're going to read from verse 17 down through verse 30. Matthew 26, verses 17 through 30. If you don't have a Bible with you, that's okay. This is probably a familiar passage to you. Matthew chapter 26, verse 17. Now, on the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man. And say to him, the teacher says, my time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them. And they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, surely I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. And each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? And he said to him, You have said it. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out 
to the Mount of Olives. Father in heaven, we thank you for this special night. We thank you for a good Friday. We call it good because of what you did for us on the cross of Jesus Christ. How you took our sin, every sin, every sin that now we would be ashamed to admit, that we're embarrassed about, every wicked, evil, slimy thing we've ever done, you put it on your son Jesus, and he paid the penalties for our sin. And because of it, you now call us your children, and you've now set us free, and we have a pardon in our hand and in our heart that says we're yours forever, and that we're justified. That means you treat us just as if we'd never sinned. What wonders of grace you have poured upon us. And Lord, tonight, as we take part in this Passover Seder, Lord, I pray that you would once again reveal your truth and love to us in wonderful ways, in ways perhaps we haven't seen or appreciated like we've needed to. Please work in our hearts tonight, Lord. Through these things, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, Jesus told his disciples, take, eat, and drink. We eat the bread, and we drink the cup each time we celebrate the Christian ordinance of communion. But what we call communion was only one small segment of a larger feast. For every Passover for the last 3,500 years, Jewish families have participated in what they call the Seder, or the Order. Around the table, families perform rituals and they practice symbolism that has profound meaning. These are important traditions, spiritual symbolism that paints a picture of their salvation. And the Passover Seder that Jewish families celebrate today hasn't changed a whole lot from the last supper that our Lord Jesus celebrated with his disciples. Not just the bread and the cup, but every move that Jesus made that night spoke of his work for you and me. We learn much by participating in a Passover Seder. Paul even compares the Christian life to Passover. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7 and 8, Therefore, purge out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, not with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And if we're going to live out the Passover in our daily lives, then we certainly need to know what all it involved. Well, preparations for the Passover began four days earlier. On the Jewish calendar, Nisan the 10th. On that day, the Passover lamb was selected. On the Sunday prior to Passover, each family would choose a lamb to be sacrificed. It was an unblemished lamb. It was the pick of the litter. It was the very best that they had to offer. The lamb was sacrificed to God, and then it was eaten at the Passover meal. You see, the nation Israel also selected a lamb for Passover, and it was on Selection Sunday, 32 AD, that Jesus made his glorious march into Jerusalem, his triumphant entry, as we call it. Zechariah predicted that Messiah would come riding into the city on the back of a donkey, 
Daniel, 500 years in advance, predicted the day that Messiah would present himself to the nation. Jesus entered Jerusalem on that exact day. The crowd cheered. They all held him, their Messiah. But the Jews didn't realize that they were actually selecting a Passover lamb. Not only did the family select the lamb, but other preparations were made that day. And let me ask you, did you all get a Passover Seder uh, handout when you came in? Okay, I, I, I didn't notice very many of you looking down at it. You'll want to look down at this, and you'll want to follow along with this. This is the order, the Seder booklet, if you will. And you'll want to follow along with the booklet as we go through the Passover Seder. It'll help you get much, much, much more out of it. Anybody need one of these uh, Seder booklets? If you'll raise your hand, we'll bring you one. Anybody need one? We got a few that didn't get one. Anybody else need one? Great, great, great. Jeff, be careful. Don't fall. Well, not only did the family select the lamb, but other preparations were made that day. Matthew 26, verses 17 to 19 tells us, Now on the first day of the feast of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. But how did they prepare the Passover? Well, the top priority for the family in the Passover was to purge the house of any leaven. You see, the leaven or the chemets was any grain or flour interjected with a leavening agent. Anything longer than 18 minutes, which is the time it takes for fermentation to occur. According to Jewish law, in making the matzah or the unleavened bread, the dough had to bake in less than 18 minutes or it was non-kosher or not permitted. And so removing the leaven from the house was an important Passover symbol. You know, throughout the Bible, leaven or yeast is a type of sin. Leaven is a souring agent. And likewise, what does sin do but sours our lives? It spoils the life that God has for us. Leaven also corrupts by puffing up, just as yeast does. At the heart of the word sin is the letter I. And sin likewise corrupts by inflaming our pride. Through puffing up ourselves, we sin. Before Passover can be celebrated, it's necessary to rid the house of all leaven. That night, the family would canvas every inch of the home looking for leaven. And this was a fun time for the kids. They helped in the purging and finding the leaven. The father would start the search with a prayer. He would say these words, and I think it's, uh, is it written for you in your, no, maybe not. Just listen carefully. Blessed art thou, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with thy commandments and commanded us to remove all leaven from our house. Now the disposal of the leaven was also a procedure full of purpose. 
the leaven was raked up into a paper bag with a wooden spoon and with a feather. And then the bag was burned in the fire. And this is a picture of what happens in our lives as a result of embracing Jesus as our Passover lamb. You see, the feather represents the Holy Spirit who came upon Jesus at his baptism in the form of a dove. The wooden spoon represents our humility and our repentance. Notice it's not gold. The spoon is not very flashy. It's rather humble and simple and unpretentious, just like Jesus and just like we need to become when we come to him. The bag speaks of Jesus' body. All the leaven was gathered up in one location and disposed at one time. And lastly, the fire speaks of Jesus' death on the cross. The fires of God's judgment consumed our sin at the crucifixion. Through the work of Christ on the cross and the power of the Holy Spirit, sin is swept from our lives when we become humble and repent and we trust in Jesus. And so... The family looks around the house, tries to find some leaven. Oh, look, there's some leaven. And so they swoop it up, kind of like that. This is not a kosher celebration. And they swoop it up and they put it in the bag. And then... They take a match, and they light the bag on fire. There you go. Yeah. They light it on fire, and then they drop it down in the can. All right. And they pray the fire extinguishers don't come on. (laughs) And as the leaven is burned up by the Father, he utters the following words. Any leaven that is in my possession, which I have not seen, have not removed, and do not know about, should be annulled and become ownerless like the dust of the earth. He disavows any presence of any more leaven. Well, the day of the Passover occurred each year on the Jewish calendar, Nisan the 14th. One historian writes of this wonderful feast. He says, 3,500 years of slavery, tyranny, dispersion, and the Holocaust have never stopped the miracle of Passover. Indeed. For Passover, everything is decorated in white. The linen, the candles... The dishes, everything that adorns the tabletop is in white. Revelation 19 tells us that the color white represents the righteousness of the saints. It reads, to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. The robe, or the kittle, was worn by the father. He acts this night in the role of a priest, and the priest also wore a robe. One year I washed my old robe with a pen in its pocket and it turned purple. 
And so now I have a new robe. It looks like a bathrobe, but it's actually a Jewish priestly robe. Sort of. The father also wore a priestly mitre or a crown. It was also an item worn by the priest. I don't have a crown or a mitre, but I do have a yarmulke. And this was worn by everyone else who attended the Passover. Everybody wore a yarmulke. I actually uh, have two yarmulkes, or kippas as they're sometimes called. I bought these two yarmulkes from a shop in the city of Jerusalem, no less. And believe it or not, they had a Georgia Bulldog yarmulke and they had an Atlanta Braves yarmulke. And since I'm afraid that not everybody here is a Bulldog fan, tonight I'll wear the, the Braves uh, yarmulke and my wife will be happy because it's covering up my bald spot back in the back. The yarmulke is worn by the Jews at the Passover Seder to remind them that mankind is not alone in the universe, that God has created us, that he dwells above us, and that he watches over us, and that we live our lives under God's authority and under God's protection. It's an important reminder. And finally, each person at the Passover table has a pillow, just in case the Jews snooze. In ancient times, people would eat in a reclining position and they propped themselves up on this pillow. Now the Passover begins with the lighting of the candles. And the mother of the family is given this honor. She's given the honor of lighting the Passover candles. And tonight... We have got to give this honor to someone we've been praying for for a long, long time. We've got to give this honor to Ann David. Ann, would you like to come up up and light the candles? Now, why a woman? Because the story of redemption begins with a woman. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 predicted that Messiah would come through the seed of the woman. And come this way. Come around this way. Come in front. That'll be good. Yeah. Daryl, why don't you come up and help her? Be great. Laverne. Genesis 3, verse 15 predicted that Messiah would come into the world through the seed of the woman. So, in fulfillment of that promise, Jesus was born of a virgin named Mary. The light of God came into the world through a woman. And so, it's fitting that Anne light the candles. And so, there's a couple of matches. Okay. Thank you. And as you as you light that, you've lit that. Say the blessing if you would, and let me uh, give you a microphone right here. And she reads the blessing as she lights the candles. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, ruler of the universe, 
who has sanctified us by thy commandments and commanded us to kindle the light of the holy day. Amen. Thank you so much. And when we were praying for you, I was planning this. At this Back in the fall, when we were praying for you, I was planning this. I said, Lord, please get her through. I'm going to have her light the candles at Passover. Amen. 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 Well, next, the Father, he takes the Seder plate, and he lifts it up to heaven, and he issues the call to worship. Now, Allie's done a good job with the Seder plate here, and she's actually Velcroed it to the table, and so I'm not going to try to lift it up. But the Father says, This is the bread of poverty which our fathers ate in Egypt. Whoever is hungry, come and eat. Whoever is distressed, come and celebrate Passover with us. This year we are here, next year, in the land of Israel. This year we celebrate as slaves, next year as free. Well, next comes the cup of sanctification. And this is the first of four cups of wine served during the Seder. The dad, he holds the cup. And he leads in a lengthy prayer of dedication called the, the Kadesh. I suppose that's how you pronounce it, the Kadesh, which is recited by all. So as I raise the cup, let's all read the blessing. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, who chose us from among all peoples to make us a nation of priests before you. In love hast thou given us, O Lord our God, Sabbaths for rest and holidays and festivals for rejoicing. We thank you for the feast of unleavened bread in remembrance of your gift of freedom and deliverance from Egypt. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has kept us alive, who has sustained us and brought us to this season. At this point, everybody washes their hands. This is an important preparation. Now the water, the water is poured out in a special way. It's poured out from the wrists and it's allowed to roll all the way down the hands into the bowl. From the wrist all the way down the hands into the bowl. And as the water rolls down the hands, this gives you an opportunity to reflect on anything from your life that you need to have the Lord wash away. Any spot or imperfection or impurity that har you're harboring in your heart that you need to remove before you go further into the Passover. In John 13, at this point in the Seder, Jesus not only led the disciples in the washing of hands, but he also said that he wanted to wash their feet. You remember their reaction? You know, how, how could you possibly wash our feet? They needed to learn something about servanthood. Jesus performed the act of a true servant. He got down and dirty. He washed the street dust off their feet and refreshed them 
and encouraged them and taught them to do the same. Well, two types of cleansing occur in the Passover. The washing of blood affects the inner man or our spiritual nature, and the washing of the water symbolizes the cleansing of our thoughts and our attitudes and our conduct, the places in our life where we come in contact with this world. Well, next the Father hides the afikomen or the dessert. This is the hidden matzah. Beside the Father's place here, there is three sheets of matzah wrapped in a linen envelope. There are three compartments in this envelope. Each sleeve contains a sheet of matzah. He takes the center sheet of bread, takes it out. Did you see that? I took the center sheet. It's important you notice that. I took the center sheet out. I took it. I took a napkin. And I broke it up. Took it like this. Theodore, you seeing this? And I took it like this and I wrapped it up in this linen napkin. And then I took it while nobody was looking. And I hid it where nobody can find it. In a spot where nobody's going to be able to find it. This becomes a very vital part of the Passover feast. Its spiritual significance is revealed later in the Seder. Well, the Father then presents the matzah of hope. While the nation Israel was enslaved in Egypt and throughout most of their long history, anti-Semiticism has been a problem. Even today in pockets around the world, Jews are still oppressed and persecuted. And at every Passover Seder, a special sheet of matzah is placed on the table to represent all of those Jews who have been enslaved in the past or are being enslaved today. The Jews are commanded not to forget their brothers. And we're going to set aside a sheet of matzah tonight to also remember all the Jews today who are still enslaved and still persecuted And not just physically, but we need to remember and pray for the Jews who are enslaved in unbelief. Jews today all over the world who are blinded to the truth of their Messiah, Jesus Christ. We need to pray for them. Well, next, the youngest child at the Seder asked the father four questions. And so I'm going to need four volunteers, four little ones, maybe that little Davy girl right there. Maybe she can come up here. And maybe maybe Caleb can come up here. And maybe, uh, yep, John, you can come up here. That's not John. Uh, Kevin. Evan. Come on up, Evan. And then this little guy right here on the end right here. Yeah, Maddie's. Yeah. Come on, come on. Okay, great, great, great. Okay, so you guys, there's one question. Here you go, Caleb. Can you read? Okay. Y'all turn and look at your mom, moms and dads and all out there. Turn around and look out there. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. And so these guys are going to ask four questions. 
And here they go. What are we doing here at the end? Oh, here's number one. Yeah, you got to. You got to. You're number one. Come right here. Go ahead. Okay. Why is the knight distinguished? Distinguished. Distinguished from all other knights on this night. We eat. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. On this night, we on, we eat only unveiled bread. Unleavened bread. Why is this night distinguished from all other nights? On this night, we eat unleavened bread. Here's number two. On all other nights, we eat any kind of herbs, but on this night, only bitter herbs. Why? Why? Good question. Good question. Here's another one. On all other nights, we do not dip, but tonight we dip twice. Why? Good question. Do you know? Mm-mm. You're going to find out. On this night, we, re- we recline in our chairs at the table. Why? Great. Let me hit the back. Get that back from you. Get that back from you. Thank you, guys. Go sit down. Great. You might get invited up again in just a minute. So we have those four questions. You got them. The Jewish people, they understood the importance of communicating to their children the foundations of their faith. And so much of the Passover involved the children. And you know, we need to take a cue from the Jews. We need to instill in our kids the foundations of our faith. Let me challenge you this Easter weekend to try to create a few new and creative traditions within your family to teach your children about the reality of the resurrection of Jesus. Well, next the father, he plays off of those four questions we've just heard that were asked to retell the story of the Exodus. He recounts how that God heard the prayers of the people, the people's prayers for freedom. He prayed, they prayed to God would raise up a deliverer who would come and lead them out of captivity. After 40 years on the backside of the wilderness, God did send Moses to demand of the Pharaoh, let my people go. At times, the Pharaoh hardened his heart. At other times, God, God hardened the Pharaoh's heart. The father recounts the ten plagues God sent on Egypt and the final plague that he used to break the Pharaoh's stubbornness and prove his superiority over the idols of Egypt. You remember that final plague. It was the angel who brought death to the firstborn of all Egypt. The only families spared that night were those who trusted in God's promise and spread the blood of the lamb on their doorpost and on their threshold. And thus the death plague passed over those believing homes. Thus the name Passover. It was God's way of providing a means of salvation for his people. Well, the father of the family, he also recounts how God parted the Red Sea, how he fed the people in the wilderness, how he brought them into the land that he had promised them. And after retelling the story of the Exodus, the father takes the second cup of the Passover, the cup of wrath, and he pours ten drops of wine onto his plate. The ten drops represent the ten plagues, and with each drop, the family names the plagues in unison. And so we'll do that right now. As I drop a drop onto the plate, 
We'll start with. Good. Whoa, 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 whoa. There we go. There's the team. And then the father goes. Now come the symbols of the Passover. And these are the items that you see here on the Seder plate. They're eaten by the family. They're symbols, but they're so much more than just symbolic. You need to understand this. The Jewish midrash, or the teaching of the rabbis, taught that the Jews, they were to put themselves into the shoes of their forefathers in in experiencing these things. In the Seder, they're to relive emotionally the strain of bondage. And then the joys of being set free and the liberty that they were given. You weren't supposed to celebrate the Passover as much with your head as you were with your heart. You were to approach it as if you had actually been there with Moses coming out of Egypt. And there were six symbols of the Exodus on the Passover plate. The first was the matzah or the unleavened bread. Then there was the zeroah or the lamb shank bone. Then there was the carpus, or the parsley that you dipped in the salt water. You remember how Jesus identified his betrayer? He said, he who dipped his hand with me. We'll see that in a moment. Then the maror, or the horseradish. This was the bitter herb spoken of by Moses. Then the hariset, or the karosis, the sweet stuff. We'll talk about that in a minute. And then the bayats, or the roasted egg. You know, so much of the instruction that Christians receive today comes through teaching and preaching. And because it only involves our minds, it's somewhat limited. The Passover celebration is so powerful because it involves all five senses. See, God not only wants us to hear and read of our salvation, but he wants us to taste it and to touch it and to smell it and to see it. And by using all the senses, we discover and we appreciate the wonders of God's grace in new ways. And we're going to give you a little bit of that opportunity tonight. Well, first on the plate, the Seder plate, is the matzah, or the bread of affliction, as the scripture calls it. Unleavened bread is spoke of as a representation of both holiness and haste. Without sin is the familiar synonym and symbolism for unleavened bread. It's without the leaven. But it also speaks of faith. For on the night before they departed from Egypt, the Hebrews left the leaven out of the bread since they believed that God's deliverance would occur before the bread could rise. So it was about faith as well. Second is the zorora, the shank bone of the lamb. Allie got this shank bone from a friend at Publix, I understand. Exodus chapter 12, verse 46, specifies that the bones of the Passover lamb were not to be broken. Likewise, Psalm 34, verse 20, predicted that not one of Messiah's bones would be broken. And this was fulfilled on the cross, remember. 
Roman policy was to break the victim's legs and hasten his death. But when they came to inspect Jesus, the soldiers saw that he was already dead, and so they withheld the breaking blow, thus satisfying and fulfilling the Old Testament prophecy that not one bone would be broken. And then the third item here on the Seder plate is the carpus or the parsley. And it's dipped twice in the water. For at the crossing of the Red Sea, remember, there were two dippings. The Jews dipped into the waters. And you remember they came up on dry land. But when the Egyptians followed them and dipped into the water, God rolled the waters back over the top of them and they drowned. Moses lifted up his rod and the waters returned, devouring the Egyptian army. And thus, after the second dip, the parsley is supposed to be devoured or eaten and consumed. So why don't we have a few people come up and try some of the parsley. And so uh, we need some adults. Um, Any adults? Do we have any volunteers? Uh, Jose, come on. You, you can come up here and try the parsley. Uh, come on, come on, great, good. She's, and uh, anybody else want to come and try it? Okay, come on, come on, come on, come on. And uh, how about uh, the Malark's two girls? They can come up here and try the parsley. Good, good. Now, you guys come stand over here. Come stand over here. Good, good, good. Great. So here's what we do. Would you like to go first? Good, good, wonderful. Now here's what you do. Take a piece of parsley, and you'll want to dip it into the salt water. But remember, how many times are you going to dip? Right. And then you devour it. (laughs) Just pretend it's those Egyptian soldiers. Wonderful, great, great. Delicious, huh? <laughs> Thank you very much. Come on, Jose. Dip twice, Jose. Jose, dip. All right, all right, good. He's splashing everything with it. All right, good. Good, not bad, huh, Jose? Good, good, good. Here we go. Great. You're a brave volunteer. Thank you. Good, good, good. Yeah, and two, and devour. Oh, yeah, good. Very good. Great, great. All right, girls, come on. All right. Yeah. Okay, one at a time. Older first. Oldest one first. Okay, good, good. Great, good, good. Pretty good? Pretty good. Twice and devour. <laughs> Thank you very much. Let's give them a round of applause. Great. Y'all can be seated. Now, when we're done... If you want to come up and sample any of these things, you certainly can. So, uh. Now, fourth on the Seder plate is the maror or the horseradish. 
And this represents the bitter herbs that Moses told the Jews to eat at Passover. Now, you've got to understand, kosher horseradish is so hot, it's designed to bring tears to your eyes. But those tears are important because they're reminders of the bitterness of bondage, the pain that the Hebrews experienced there in Egypt. You know, sometimes we as Christians, we forget the bitterness and the bondage of our sin. You know, we toy with sin. We pretend that it's no big deal. We forget the tears that it once caused us. And there are times in our lives when we need to be reminded of the pain and the bitter taste of our sin and never lose the appreciation that we should have of God's grace. And so we need a few brave souls to come up and try some of the horseradish. Come on. Charles, you can come. All right, Bert, come on. You're up. And uh, my two grandsons uh, can come. Absolutely, they can come. Wayne's coming. Uh, nothing but boys. Come on, Cole. Oh, we need some girls. There's two girls on the back row. There we go. Here they come. Well, you all right, Wayne? I don't think so. Okay. Here we go. All right, who's first? Who's up? Who's up first? Paulie. Okay. Oh, there you go, Paul. I'm just starting you out with just a small little pump. Oh, yeah. Small little piece. Small little piece. There you go. There are restroom facilities right out those doors, <laughs> right down the hall, Paul. How you doing? There, it's it. Oh, okay. All right, who's next? All right, all right. Here we go. There you go. I'm going easy on you. Go ahead. Oh. Do you need to go spit it out? If you need to go spit it out, you need to run out the door and go spit it out. Don't spit it out up here on the, on the thing. You okay? You good? All right, good, good, good. Now, you have a name for this. It's called Jewish Christianity. Okay. Bert, I'm, I'm excited to see you handle this. Bert's Jewish. Yeah, Bert's Jewish. If anybody can handle this, it's Bert. Oh, this is the best. Yeah, there this you is go. the best part, right? Yeah, why not? Hmm. Mm. That's good. stuff. That's good stuff. That's the good stuff. That's the good stuff. That is the good stuff. All right. Let me get a little bit more. This is for Wayne Frederoff. Where you at, Wayne? I'll double it. Okay. We got we got a challenge here. That's all I'm giving you, Wayne. We don't have insurance to cover anymore. Is it that bad? Maybe. How you doing? Oh. We got some tears coming. Oh. All right, let's have the two little guys coming up here. Y'all ready for this? All right. You want more? Whose son is this? All right. All at once. Yeah, just keep your eye on him. Keep your eye on him back there. 
Vern, put you up. Put the camera on him. All right, Theo. No, no, stay right here. How you doing? Stay, stay right there. Stay right there. Hi. You doing okay? You, you sure you okay? Right, just look at Vern there in just a minute. I believe there's some. Okay, come on. Here we go. There we go. You doing okay? Good. No problem. No problem for this guy. No problems for that guy. Come on, Charles. Here you go, Charles. There you go. Pretty good stuff, Charles? Good. Yes, it's kosher. Of course it's kosher. Here you go, Coleman. That'll flush you out. This young man does not hide his emotions. <laughs> do I have to do this? I mean, you girls, you sure? You sure you want to do this? I know. Okay, good. 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 We, hey, we love, we love the sisters. We love the sisters. That's why we usually don't have you come up. How's it doing? How you doing? All right? Good, good. Oh, you don't like horseradish. Famous last words. She said, I don't like horseradish. Not that bad? Okay, good. Good, good. Great, great, great. Okay, give them a hand. Give them all a hand. Can I take that home? No. Thank you. Thank you, girls. All right. Nobody had to run out the. Uh, nobody had to run out of the room. Fifth item on the seder plate is the hariset, or also called the karosis. It's a combination of cinnamon and nuts and honey and apples. It's sweet to the taste. I like to call it Hebrew nut and honey. <laughs> the cinnamon is added to make it look like the bricks. The, the mixture, kind of like the color of the bricks that the Hebrews had to make when they were in Egypt. And, of course, the apples are the sweetness of redemption. It reminds us of the joy that we have in Jesus Christ. And so, do we have any volunteers for the nut and honey? Of course we do. Uh, come on, Carolyn. And come on, MC. Yes, you can come. And uh, uh, come on, uh, Josie, you and your son, y'all can come. Oh, oh, you okay, sweetie? Come around here. Come around here. Okay. Here, stay right here. Stay back here. Uh-uh, stay back here. Come here. Come here. Stay right. I want you to stay right here. Good, 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 good. All right. All right, Benita. I am a I did. Okay, good, good. That's good. 
Okay, here we go. Okay, sweetie. There you go. Are you a princess? Oh, wow. Very good. Good. You can go down, go down right here. Go down right here. Good. God. All right, who's next? Logan, where you at? Where you at? Come on, Logan. This is this is easy. Yeah, yeah, it's like candy. This is like candy. Okay, here we go. MC. Here we go. Yeah, this is the good stuff. There we go. Yeah, it's good. Benita, you some horseradish? I did not because you did I not. already know okay. all about horseradish. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, Carolyn. That's my turn. Yeah, yeah. And Josie. Great, great, great. Now, so I want you to give me a round of applause for inviting you up to taste the sweet stuff. You're welcome. Now you can have a seat. Great. God bless you guys. Great, good. Now you guys, you guys who got the horseradish, you, you need to come up a little bit later and you need to try the sweet stuff. A little bit later. You need to come up a little bit later and try the sweet stuff because it's the combination of the two. It's the, you know, the tears that reminded us of our sin. And then on the heels of that, the joys and the sweetness of our redemption makes our sin taste a little more bitter, and, but makes the joy of Christ that much more sweeter. And then the sixth item here is the biats, uh, batsa, or the roasted egg. Now, I don't know how to roast an egg, and we don't know how to roast an egg. So we boiled our eggs. So we got some boiled eggs here tonight. And in the New Testament temple, an egg was offered as a peace offering. It's interesting, when the Roman legion destroyed the temple in 70 AD, the roasted egg became a reminder of the end of the temple. And it too was dipped in salt water to emphasize the bitterness of that devastating event. Of course, as the temple was being destroyed, guess what was happening? God was building a new temple. The church. Jesus was the temple while on earth. He was the dwelling place of God. But not shortly after, he sent his spirit. When he ascended to heaven, he sent his spirit into his church. And now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God dwells in our hearts. And so a lot of symbolism here when we take of the egg. So we need some people to come up and take some uh, boiled eggs. Get the boiled egg going here. Uh, Christian, you can come up. And that little girl right behind you, you can grab her too. And, uh, and these two guys that are about to jump out of their seat right up there in the balcony there, you guys can come up. All right, great. Good. All right, guys. And uh, 
see who I haven't called on. This little guy right here running on the front row. Yeah. Okay. All right. You want to go first? Girls first? There we go. Now you got to dip it in the salt water. Hey, Bentley. How are you? Yeah. Go ahead. Dip it. Good. Is it good? Great, great, great. You're next. Can you get it? There you go. Oh, no, no, put dip in the water. Dip in the water. That's okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now eat it. Yeah. Mmm. Now go back down here with Charles. There you go. Okay. Your turn. You got this? Great, great, great. All right. Good deal. Now, while you're here, you might as well have some of this horseradish. <laughs> Don't you think? Go ahead. Don't hand it back to me. Put it down right there. Put it down right there. You got it? Now that egg tastes a lot better, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Okay, run on back up there. Okay. All right, Christian. What would you rather have, Christian? Horseradish, the honey, or the egg? The egg or all three. All three. Sounds funny. Here we go. We'll do the horseradish. And then, uh, there you go. There you go. We'll do the horseradish. You're, you're a gamer for all this. You're, you're good. You're good at do this. How, how you doing? Really? Yeah. All right. There's kind of fire coming out of your ears. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, man, you bet. Now you Appreciate go right, right on the back of it. Mm. Oh, it tastes sweet, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Joy filled. Great, good. Now, 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 dip an egg, and you got it all done. You, you had, you've been to the Seder. Great. Oh, you're doing good, Christian. Good, good. Gained five pounds, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm disappointed. None of the sorority sisters came up here for anything. You guys come on up and... and uh, we need to have the sorority sisters come on up. Come on. There you go. There we go. So one of you, uh, one of you can have uh, the horseradish. Come on up. Uh, Julia, why not, Julia? Julia teaches second grade. She can do anything. Oh. oh, you got her, Vern? Who wants the sweet stuff? Okay, Chesney. She was quick there, wasn't she? Who wants some parsley? Uh, uh, Sarah, you dip the parsley. There you go. You got to come around. Dip twice, don't forget. Yeah. Oh, great. Good. You good? All right, great. And then... Um, Caitlin, 
this is about as small a portion that you can possibly get on the cracker. Thank you so much, Patrick. <laughs> go, go right ahead, Caitlin. You're singing Sunday? <laughs> you, you, you're going to sing so much clearer, so much stronger. You okay? Sure. You okay? It's hard. <laughs> Thank you, girls. Give them all a round of applause. Great. Okay. You know, the egg is also a symbol of new birth. And through the Exodus, Israel was born again. Literally, the Hebrew people became a new nation. And we as Christians have also received a similar birth through the work of Jesus. We too have been made born again. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 refers to us as a holy nation, God's own special people. And the symbols of the Passover, after the symbols of the Passover, the father of the family He sings a song, something I've been waiting on all year long. But no, no, I'm not going to sing, don't worry. I'm not going to sing. It's a song called Dayanu, which means it is enough. We're not going to sing it, but what we are going to do is we are going to read it responsively, responsively. And I had hopes that my son was going to read. Quincy, where'd your daddy go? Did he have to leave? Do you have to step out? James, go back in and see if he's, if he's available. No, no he, he, is he available? We just wait, just pause. We're okay. I tell you what we'll just do. Uh, Phil, why don't you come up and we're going to serve communion and then we'll, uh, we'll come back to this. Go ahead. The guys that are going to serve, if you guys will come up uh, and serve. Everybody get your cup and your bread and hold on to it because uh, we're going to take it together in the next segment of the Passover. All right? Love to the 
passed over our house and uh, uh, if ever we've experienced the Passover uh, it has been this year and uh, my son got COVID back before Christmas and uh, was in a coma for a month and has gone through a tough time but here he is when I let him talk he'll he'll talk And we have and we have prayed, Zach. We've prayed for you. You know we've prayed for you, and uh, uh, we love you, and everybody loves you here. Zach was our youth pastor for ten years, and uh, every he grew up here in our church, obviously. And uh, we're just so blessed what God's done in Zach's life. And you know we're gonna sing, we're gonna say this song. We're gonna recite this song. Dayanu, Dayanu, Dayanu. Don't make it hard for me, Bert. <laughs> I, I just, da-da-da-yenu, da, 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 you know, okay. Da-da-yenu, can you say that with me? Da-da-yenu, da-da-yenu, can you say it? Everybody say it? Da-da-yenu, that's going to be your line in this song, that, that's, that's your only line. You know what it means? It means more than enough. It means it is enough. And, and here's the deal, if all Jesus had done for me, was wash away my sin and give me a home in heaven. It would have been enough. But he gave me back my son. And he gave Daryl back his wife. And he's poured out all kinds of blessings upon our lives. And here we sit in this room tonight, full of the Holy Spirit, full of his joy. You know, we have so much to be thankful for. It would have been enough if he had just given us his son. He's given us more than that, even more than that. And uh, we've got much to praise him for tonight. And so I'm going to ask Zach, you'll do this, I hope. Yeah, you make me read something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, here's what, Zach's going to read the uh, chorus, and then you're going to come in on the stanza. I mean, the, uh, back. I got that backwards. Zach's going to read the stanza, you're going to come in on the chorus. Just two words. 
Da da yenu. Got it? Yes, it would have been enough. It would have been more than enough had he simply rescued us from slavery. Yes, it would have been enough, but he did far more than this. He brought us through the sea to stand upon dry land. Yes, it would have been enough. It would have been more than enough. But then he met our every need in desert life. For 40 years, he provided. He sent us food. He gave us water. Made our clothes to last throughout the length of years. Yes, it would have been enough. But more than this, he provided. He gave us Sabbath for our rest and gave us the law. He gave us the law that we might know the fullness of his will and promise. All these things he did provide for Israel. Anything you want to say, son? Thank you for your prayers and your heart and uh, the love you've shown uh, for my family. Um, I slept through a lot of it, um, <laughs> but my family was very much awake for it all, and uh, to know that they had you, um, the body of Christ, and that they have learned more of Jesus through the way that you've treated them and the way that you've been there for them um, by also being there for me, and so uh, words can't express it other than just to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Great. Good. Thank you, son. Hey, James. You want to roll him back? I can just kind of push him. (laughs) Okay. We've had our meal. Uh, We've praised the Lord. What's next? Dessert. Dessert is next. Remember the matzah that we hid earlier in the Seder? Remember that? It's now time for it to get retrieved. And again, the kids get involved here. We need for someone to come and to search for that hidden matzah. Theodore? Now look, look. I'm a good hider. I'm a good hider. And if you can't... If you can't find it the first time, it's okay. I, I'm, I'm good at this. So uh, I want you to try to find it somewhere. Yeah, we, we, it's okay. Look at that. Look at that. Thank you very much. And, and you know what happens? The, the guy reaches in his pocket, the father reaches in his pocket, and he gives a piece of candy to the uh, young child. Thank you, son. And it was at this point in the Seder, at this point that Jesus totally revolutionized a 1,500-year-old tradition and gave it totally new meaning. For Jesus took the bread, what did we call it? We called it the afikoman, the dessert It represented Israel's faith in God's promise of deliverance. Then we're told he blessed it, he broke it, and then he gave it to his disciples. And then Jesus made a remarkable statement. Take, eat. This is my body. 
Now remember, the afikoman was the middle loaf of the three. It had been wrapped in a cloth, in a linen napkin. Now think of the doctrine of the Trinity. We know it well. God is one God, yet he exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The afikoman was the middle sheet of the three. What's the middle person of the Trinity? The Son. The afikoman was the middle person of the Trinity. And that middle sheet, look what we did with it. We took it out. Christ came to earth. He left his heavenly home and he came to this earth, the incarnation. His body was then broken on the cross, the crucifixion. Then it was wrapped in a linen grave clothes. And what was it? It was buried. It was hidden from the disciples. Later, the bread was discovered by the Father's children, the resurrection. And then it was given to the people, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be eaten as dessert, as the sweetness of this life. Jesus is sweeter than candy. Jesus is the bread of life. He's our strength. He's our sustenance. He quenches our spiritual hunger. But he is even sweeter than candy. He satisfies our spiritual sweet tooth. He's so delicious that he can be our portion forever. In fact, look closely, well, look closely at this, this piece of bread right here. If you can look close at it. We've got a picture of it. Do we have a picture of it? There we go. Good. Look very closely at it. This is the, everybody wants a photograph of Jesus. Everybody wants to know what Jesus looked like. Here's the closest you'll ever come to a photograph of Jesus. First of all, he's unleavened or he's sinless. Notice the bumpiness. It highlights how his face was beaten and bruised. The stripes on the griddle teaches how his back was lashed. By his stripes we're healed. And then the pierce marks or the holes are a reminder of the wounds in his brow and in his hands and in his feet and in his side. Isaiah 53 tells us he was wounded for our transgressions. And then notice in verse 26 here in Matthew, we're told that Jesus took the bread and he blessed it. Have you ever wondered what he said? What his blessing was? Throughout the long centuries of Hebrew history, this blessing has remained unaltered. The Father states, Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who bringeth forth bread from the earth. It's interesting that Jesus was born in a town called Bethlehem, which means house of bread. He's called the bread of life. When he rose from the dead, God was bringing bread from the earth. Paul refers to Jesus as the first fruits of the resurrection. See, the hidden matzah spoke of Jesus Christ. And so let's take and let's eat and do this in remembrance of Jesus. Next came the third cup of redemption, which was the cup which was the cup of redemption. And everyone took this cup And as they were holding it in their hand, Jesus again revolutionized the Passover Seder. For centuries, this cup of wine had represented the blood of the Passover lamb. But in verse 28, Jesus holds up that cup and he tells his disciples, Drink from it, all of you, 
For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. This cup now spoke of the ultimate sacrifice, which the Passover had foreshadowed all along, the sacrifice of God's only Son. You recall on the last night in Egypt, the salvation of the Hebrews had nothing to do with their conduct or their behavior or their virtue. It didn't have anything to do with the good behavior of the people living in that house. Their deliverance was solely based on whether or not the promise had been trusted and the blood had been applied to the doorposts and the headers of the home. And this speaks to us today. Eternal life, our right standing with God, doesn't depend on our own merit or our own good works. It is totally dependent on our faith in the blood of Jesus, whether we believe God's promise and have applied his blood to the doorposts and the thresholds of our heart. And so in verse 27 of Matthew 26, Jesus gave thanks, we're told. And here's the liturgy that he used. Blessed art thou, O Lord our God, King of the universe, creator of the fruit of the vine. In John 15, Jesus is depicted as the true vine, and we are his branches. The vine is a symbol of fruitfulness and joy, fitting analogies of those who experience Jesus. And so, let's take that cup and let's drink it and do so in remembrance of Jesus. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And here's a promise that we can't really appreciate without some insight into Jewish culture. You know, today in America, a couple moves from engagement straight into marriage. But in Jesus' day, there was an intermittent step. It was called betrothal. And during the betrothal period, the couple was considered legally married. If they split, it required a bill of divorce. They were married in terms of commitment, but they were not yet allowed to live together or enjoy the sexual pleasures of marriage. When a couple entered the betrothal, papers were signed and the dowry was paid. The groom then toasted his bride before leaving to work on their future home. When it was completed, then he returned for his bride. And this was Jesus' strategy. For with the third cup of redemption, Jesus toasted his bride. He was leaving to prepare for her a place in heaven. He even promised not to celebrate or drink of the vine again until our quarters are ready and until we are reunited with him. Well, the last cup of the Passover Seder was the cup of Elijah. And at the table that night, every night of the Passover, there's always an extra place setting complete with a chair reserved for Elijah. Malachi chapter 4 teaches that Elijah will come before the appearance of the Messiah. And thus each family needs to expect him and even prepare a place at the table just in case he visits them. And so the youngest child is sent to the door uh, to see if Elijah is in sight. And so I need a couple of volunteers who will run out and check and see if we've got Elijah coming. Okay, Danielle, your little girl, go on this side. And Quincy, you go on that side. Run outside there and check and just make sure that if you see Elijah, then come back and tell us. Oren, you can go too. Good. 
nope, 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 not on that side. They may have found Elijah, I don't know. What about it, guys? We need an audible answer. No? What about it? Okay, good, good, good. Okay, good, good. It's interesting. Jesus and his disciples, they didn't drink this cup at their Seder since in Jesus' mind, Elijah had already come. The Bible tells us that John the Baptist came in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. He paved the way for the coming Messiah. But it's appropriate today that we include the fourth cup in our celebration since Elijah is going to return before his second coming. You remember Revelation 11 implies that before Jesus' second coming, after the church has been raptured, Elijah will be one of the two witnesses that will appear and perform mighty signs as a testimony to the gospel. Well, the Seder closes with a benediction. And it's the desire of all Jews all around the world to celebrate the Passover where? In Jerusalem. And this has also become the desire of the Israeli tourist industry. (laughs) Next year in Jerusalem is the familiar Hebrew saying. The father closes the Seder by saying, Next year in Jerusalem, and the family joins in. Now, we as Christians desire to eat the Passover next year in New Jerusalem, in heaven itself. We're waiting on Jesus to come for his church and snatch us up to him forever. And then notice we're told in verse 30, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And and how much fun would it have been to hear Jesus sing? Don't you feel kind of cheated you didn't get to hear Jesus sing? Was he a tenor? baritone, even a bass? Did he have a bass voice? And then the question that follows, verse 30, is always, what hymns did they sing? Well, the Passover Psalms were the Hallel Psalms, which included Psalms 113 to 118. Many of these Psalms were prophetic of Jesus. They spoke of the Messiah's suffering and his rejection. And what an eerie, somber experience it must have been to hear Jesus on the threshold of the cross sing about the next day's pain and agony. We're going to read two of these psalms. If you'll look on the back of your Seder book, I'll do the father part and you do the all. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is enthroned on high? He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He makes the barren woman abide in the house as a joyful mother of children. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. You know, it's sad 
that the Lord who is so prominently displayed in the Passover is still rejected by most Jews today. But the stone who was rejected by the Jewish nation has become the chief cornerstone of his church. And hopefully he is the chief cornerstone of your life. He is worthy to be. The Father closes the Seder with a final prayer. Our Seder is now complete. May our service be acceptable to you, O Lord our God. And may we be granted the blessing of celebrating Passover for many years to come. Pure and holy one, dwelling on high, raise up your people with love and lead us to Zion in joyful song. Amen. Which concludes tonight our Passover Seder.